Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily, your NBA Daily Assist. Talk to uh, Chris about what's going on around the rest of the association, as well as what he thinks about what's going on with Utah Jazz. If he agrees with Gordon that even though the Jazz were missing Rudy <laughs> Gobert, they should easily have beaten the Bucks on the road. That's not what I said. Pretty much what no, you said. No, it's not what I said. Because you said blocking out is easy and that they should have blocked out. Or boxed so out, whichever. Should have easily dispatched no, the No, I didn't say that. I said that uh, the disparity 28 to 2 in a four point game, you know, just do it a little better and maybe it would have made the difference. Hmm. See, coaches love that stuff. They love the fundamentals. All you got to do is box out or block out. Hmm. All right, it's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Uh, let's get to it, Austin. It's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, here's Chris Mannix on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's head out to the Sprint special guest line, lease any handset, and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. It is time for your NBA Daily Assist, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only 59 bucks. Call Lee's Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEES, or online at leesheatac.com. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated, he is Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? What's going on, guys? Uh, this is what's going on, Chris. Uh, the Greek freak, he's pretty good. The Jazz got punished by him last night. Yeah, sometimes he's just going to have those nights where everything's working for him. I mean, he's he's always been, I think, you know, along with Russell Westbrook, the toughest guy in the league to stop when he's got some momentum. And that shot and the, the diversity of his offense – keeps improving. Um, that's why there's a lot of consideration even before the start of the season that he would be a back-to-back MVP. He might even be a guy that wins MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. So, you know, there's a little bit of a sluggish type start for him very early in the season, but, you know, he's once again looking like the best player in basketball. Uh, let's talk about the best in basketball a little bit, Chris. The Lakers have the best record at 15-2. and two. We saw Milwaukee last night at 14-3. and three. Uh, You're uh, getting an up-close and personal view of the Celtics. Denver has a really nice record. Who is the best team in the league right now? Well, I mean, I think right now it's probably the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, you know, the Clippers just getting all their guys back, specifically Paul George. I think they're going to eventually separate themselves a little bit. I mean, those two are just so good, and they have so much depth around them. You've got to give the Lakers credit, though. I mean, they're a team that they have had what I think is a pretty soft schedule early on, and we kind of knew that coming into the season. But the way LeBron is playing, you know, the way Anthony Davis is playing, the contributions they're getting from guys that you maybe didn't expect them to contribute. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is one. Danny Green's been great for them. I mean, they're – 
they're just looking like a complete team. Now, my question with the Lakers is going to be, can they keep up this type of pace January, February, March? Does LeBron wear down from the type of player he's been to start the season? Um, these are questions certainly that are that you know bear watching for the next few months. But for right now, you got to look at the Lakers and I think the Clippers, the two top teams in basketball. One thing both conferences have in common, Chris, is that uh, their teams that are around that fifth, sixth spot are eleven and six. The Rockets and the Jazz tied with that mark. Are you surprised that the teams at the top have as stellar records as they have so far? A little bit. Um, I didn't see the Lakers coming out and winning whatever it is, fourteen in the first sixteen or fifteen in the first seventeen. I mean, they they've really surprised me. I, I did think, as I said, I thought they're their schedule made it optimal for them to jump out of the gate a little bit quickly, but uh, I didn't expect to see all these things and all the everything the Lakers uh, have been doing. And you, know, you look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, the, the biggest surprise there to me is Toronto and and exactly how they have played, not just with Kawhi gone, but you know, Pascal Siakam to me is a top five MVP player. I mean, he is he is unbelievable this year. And with Lowry out and with Serge Ibaka out, you know, they have been been just great all season long. Beat Philly last night, and that was a huge win for them at home. Um, they're looking like a team that could be a real threat to win the conference, even without uh, Kawhi Leonard. And that would be just a remarkable, uh, you know, uh, turn of events. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty The Zone. What Luka Doncic is doing right now, Chris, is just unbelievable. And you know, we forget that he is so unbelievably young. Are they um, are they ahead of schedule, or are they here to stay? You know, they're ahead of schedule. Um, I don't think anybody really have them in the playoffs this year when you're making your projections, but um, there's a chance that they could wind up in that playoff mix. Now, they don't have as much depth as, as some of these other teams have, but you know they have two bona fide you know, franchise players in Luka, who I think is a future MVP, and Chris Porzingis, who is, you know, has the potential to be uh, that type of player. So uh, I think the key for them will be just how much Porzingis improves as time goes on. He is still just a month removed from a 20-month layoff from that uh, that knee surgery, so I think he's only going to get better. But man, they're really good. I mean, I was in Atlanta last night and I, I watched Trey Young play, and you know, Trey's still a, a dynamic scorer and might be one of those guys that actually leads the NBA in scoring some years. Uh, but I just I don't think anybody I don't think you can compare him to what Luka Doncic is and and will become. I think Trey's a great scorer. Luka Doncic is an MVP in waiting. Chris, what do you make of the uh, the Rockets uh, experiment thus far? It's had some hits and misses. Um, you know, early on they struggled. Uh, obviously, I mean they, they you know James Harden shot a low percentage of the floor. But when I talked to Daryl Morey about this, when they were something like four and three or somewhere around that line, he said, "Look, if if James, if people think James is going to continue to shoot like this, then we are in trouble." And Harden, of course, didn't continue to shoot like that. He's played out of his mind for most of the last few weeks. And, and if he keeps doing that, they're going to beat a lot of teams in the conference. I just have my questions about the Harden-Westbrook pairing succeeding in the playoffs. I think when you get against good teams in a seven-game series, they're going to figure out a way to scheme for you. And if, if Westbrook can't make three-point shots and you're not running as much as they're trying to run, I, I, don't, I, I just don't know if they're going to be the, the type of threat that they want to be and that they're paying those guys top dollar to go up there and be. So I... Look, I, they're going to beat a lot of good teams because those two guys are great players. But in the postseason, I still like some of the more complete teams that are out there that that are in the Western Conference. 
Chris, what did you think about the interview Danny Ainge gave? I believe it was to Rachel Nichols from ESPN, but in a sense uh, taking responsibility for the uh, underachieving last year. Well, I mean, look, he's falling on his sword and great. And that's, that's what all executives should do, especially ones with the type of job security that Danny Ainge has. But I don't think it was Danny Ainge. I mean, I think some of the things he said there were dead on accurate. You know, he kind of pointed to the Lakers as being a team that has a hierarchy, and they do. The Lakers have LeBron and AD, and everybody else is kind of a supporting player. The Celtics last year had, you know, big-name stars, but they didn't really have a hierarchy. It was everybody kind of thought they were the best player on the team or at least deserved to be in, in consideration for that position, and it just it just didn't work. So I don't know if you, you fault Danny Ainge. I mean, that was a, a, a perfect storm of, of events where – you know, Kyrie goes, obviously Gordon goes down, that changes everything. But Kyrie goes down, they make the conference finals, they come within one game of getting to the NBA finals, and everybody else comes back thinking, hey, we're, we're a conference finalist team. We're, we're good enough to win without these guys. So, you know, we give us our props, give us our recognition. And it just, you can't win that way. Yeah, everybody has to kind of have a role. And they weren't a team that was equipped to do that after going to the conference finals a year ago. So good, good for Danny for saying it. I mean, it deflects some of the you know criticisms towards players, but I do think it was far more the guys in the locker room than Danny Ainge did. In what kind of regard is he held back there, Chris? Because obviously BYU fans love him out here. Utah fans never liked him, but uh, he does have some ties, and so people might be interested in knowing. Is he well-respected? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Danny – you know, was well-respected even before he took the top executive job because of his years playing for the Celtics. And, you know, winning a championship carries a lot of, gives you a lot of credibility and you bank a lot of points with the fan base when you do that. Now, I know it was now, what, 11 years ago that they won that championship, but, yeah, he still is is widely respected and, and beloved even in the Boston community by Celtics fans. And he's got a job for life, and that's, it's like I was saying, you know, it's easy for him to kind of go out there and fall on his sword because there's no chance he's ever going to get fired. Um, and there's not a lot of GMs in the league that can really say that. I mean, even in good times, um, you look at some of the GMs that are out there, and, and they're certainly vulnerable. But Danny Ainge, you know, Greg Popovich, last R.C. Buford, you know, Pat Riley, there's only a handful of those guys that, you know, are on the job till they don't want to be on the job anymore. And, and Danny's certainly one of them. Do you think he'll ever be honored? Because uh, he was the one starter on that those great teams in the 80s whose number was not retired. Will there ever be that kind of tribute paid to him? No, and, and they're going to stop retiring numbers in Boston. They're going to run out. Like, they've got, <laughs> you know, they got a name up there. And uh, Jim Luskatoff, Lusky, up in the Raptors in Boston. I mean, there, there's actually been some chatter about unretiring some numbers in Boston because they are getting kind of towards the point where guys that play for them are going to have to have some goofy numbers uh, to wear. So, no, I, I, I don't think you'll see Danny's uh, num- a number of the Raptors, maybe his, his sweater vest or something for his days as the GM of that team. Chris Mannix with us here from Sports Illustrated on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Chris, I realize this is kind of a random question, but Jim Boylan used to be here at the University of Utah, and it didn't end particularly well. When do the folks in Chicago kind of realize that that's a disaster in the making? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it did surprise me that he kept the job after last season, which didn't go particularly well. I mean, you had kind of that you know, early mutiny that seemed to crop up. He had some sort of goofy things like the leadership council 
with that team. But for whatever reason, uh, the Bulls front office, which has made questionable decisions in the past, they decided to bring him back and, and put him back in that role and give him a chance. And so that's, that's not a very good team. Um, you can certainly argue it's, it's, you know, could be better. I mean, I watched some of the game last night where they got blitzed by Portland. That, that certainly wasn't a good, good outing for them. I just, you know, Jim Boylan has been a solid assist. He just hasn't really proven anything at the pro ranks, and they gave him the benefit of the doubt for some reason in this past off season. Now, I don't know how long it lasts. I would imagine he gets at least this season with that group, but uh, the, the more you watch the Bulls, the less likely you think it is that Jim Boylan is a long-term answer for that group. Chris, what do you make of the the league-wide play these days? I mean, is the game in, in good stead right now? Uh, do you, we already talked about some of the young stars that are coming up. How do you feel about the play you see? Yeah, I, I don't think it's that bad. It's kind of like, you know, early season, you're going to have some ugly nights. It's like, you know, in baseball where, you know, pitchers take a little bit longer to kind of heat up and as the season, the summer progresses. And basketball is kind of the same thing now. I was talking to Mark Cuban about this, and you know, guys come to come into camp in much better shape now than they used to. I mean, years past, you had guys like use training camp in the early season to get into shape. It was kind of the Shaquille O'Neal uh, ification of uh, of basketball. Now they work so hard in the summer that they're in shape, but there are still guys working their way. And I watched Nikola Jokic in Denver, and he's not all the way there right now. There are more guys like that as well. So this is sloppiness, but man, it's still it's still high level basketball. Whenever people kind of criticize NBA play. I always think of two things. One, just remember what it used to look like in, in times when guys weren't in this type of shape and you had hand checking and, and things were physical, like you know, like you guys saw with the Jazz, you know, back in the nineties when it was just a street fight sometimes, you know, in those basketball games. And I encourage you to watch college basketball, which has just got awful. I mean, you you want to talk about bad basketball. College basketball for as much fun as it is and as engaging as it can be late in games is terrible. It is just terrible how bad these guys, these games are with the low shooting percentages and the sloppy play. So I think it's, it's all kind of in, in what the prism you view it through, the NBA. And I think it's still by far and away the best basketball in the world. I love the fact that you just said what you said about college basketball because Jake over here is feeling all good about Vatek beating Michigan State in Hawaii. About, <laughs> it doesn't make the end of college basketball games any less painful. I agree, no, I agree with you completely, Chris. Yeah, look, it's fun. Like, you know, these guys flying up and down the floor. But, I mean, could you imagine, like, put, put, put one of those games, take any high-profile game and replace the coach with Quinn Snyder and the players with Jazz uniforms. And you'd be destroying them for awful shot selection and sloppy play. Now, there are reasons it's bad. You know, the one-and-done rule has kind of killed college basketball in terms of effectiveness. We don't have – you know, the days of Christian Leitner and, and guys like that going three and four years uh, are long gone and, and are going to be gone forever. But it, it doesn't change the fact that it's just horrible like to watch. It just is aesthetically displeasing basketball, as you're going to find. Like, the G League's better. I don't think the G League is that great, but the G League's better. European basketball's better. I love the NCAA tournament as much as the next guy, but it's not good basketball to watch. Chris, thank you. As always, we always look forward to it. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, your NBA daily assist. I mean, the effort is good. Yeah, it's it's just not a it's not the same product as the NBA. There's a big difference there. It's true, but that's the that's the case with all college sports, right? 
I thought about that last night during the, the early stretch of the uh, the Jazz Bucks game when the Bucks were missing a bunch of shots, and I was thinking this reminds me of college basketball. You know, well, there's just too much stoppage at the end of games. I don't I don't know exactly what they can do with that. Uh, you know, take away timeouts or whatever. But it, uh, I agree with him. Watching the end of college basketball games is can be quite difficult. I think coaches try to just grab it by the throat and bludgeon it, you know. Uh, the coaches are the stars in college basketball, not the players. Right. And and there's a lot of teaching and a lot of hand-holding, and, you know, they're not they're not NBA players. They're not professionals. It's, it's like, uh, like the Jazz last night. I loved Quinn Snyder not calling a timeout and just letting them go. Jerry used to do that all the yeah, time. You get the def- uh, defense on their heels. You know, in college, you just you don't see that type of thing because they want to they want to set it up and hold hands and yeah. here you go. I like the way you said that because I, I remember Jerry doing that and Quinn does it as you as you mentioned. Uh, it's almost like you guys are grown men. You're professionals. Fix it. Fix it on your own. And if it if it doesn't if it doesn't turn around, then the timeout comes eventually. Right. But in college, it's like, oh, man, it's like the grand puppeteers over there. Well, and then they controlling everything. They take full advantage of everybody's attention during tournament time where in every single one of those stops, they try to jam three, four commercials in there. And (laughs) it's just brutal. It's just hard to watch. Yeah, I remember watching the NCAA tournament one year and the, the last three minutes of games would take, what, an hour and a half? Yeah. And I, I, I found out a lot about, you know, Lee's snap-on nails. Did you? And, Learned a lot? And was Mich- that the year you took all four uh, one seeds or the other year you took all four one seeds? Oh, man. Gordon likes the favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah do. you do. Yeah. You know, this year I think I'll uh, pick Duke. <laughs> Let's see. Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. North and- Carolina. Let's go ahead and throw in the Tar Heels. There you go. Uh, occasionally Virginia. Speaking of bad college basketball, BYU's playing Kansas today. How about they? that? Uh, for, why why are you saying five thirty? Why are you so? saying bad college basketball? It's not very nice. Well, I, yeah, I, okay. maybe it'll be okay, good okay, college okay, basketball. Sorry, that was redundant. They did win last night. Bad college basketball. By the way, Bill Walton. I tell you what. You send him out to uh, out to Hawaii, and then people out there are surprised that he has a zany uh, uh, telecast. You think the Maui Wowie's going on? I just think, you know, there, there are certain things where you should say, you know, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> like, we, we don't send uh, Austin down to the old DMV and expect him to not come back irritated. <laughs> You know, there's some stuff. Or church. <laughs> there's some stuff that we should just see <laughs> Or coming. anywhere. You send Bill Walton to Maui, and you're surprised <laughs> that he doesn't know what uh, a nephew-uncle relationship is. <laughs> what uh, what setting irritates you the most, Austin? Oh, God. Oh, when well, I'm what, awake? I mean, what consistent thing gets your goat? Church. Church? Let's be real. Yeah. Because people say things that you disagree with no, yeah well not that i can block that stuff out pretty easily it's just that just i'm there yeah what just, just that, that i'm there, there yeah. being... and not elsewhere <laughs> look i love it i believe do i gotta be there every week i guess <laughs> are you there because your wife makes you no 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 she doesn't make me i don't make her we well, in fact in fact we should probably be more often there but 
It's like, I've learned that 18 years in a row now. I think I got it. (laughs) So it's Austin in the back row going, I'm good. I got that. I don't need that. Well, and, and I, well, I need it. I've just heard it. I have it. <laughs> and, and certainly, Austin, I don't want to discourage you or Gordon or anybody else from, you know, doing what you want to do with your faith. But I got to tell you, Sunday fun day is pretty fun. It looks like it. And Sunday fun day is pretty good. You in the spacious building. I might want to come visit. Anyway. Huh. Too far? Or? See, no, you see, Austin <laughs> just threw you into a little bit of uh, church, LDS church, uh, uh, what storytelling? I guess the great and spacious. Building. I think you couldn't understand what that would. Did you understand what, what is he was that talking like? About? Like purgatory? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. It's that's where the people who were on the outside were looking over at those who were trying to do what's right, pointing their finger at them, making fun of them. Oh, I see. And those at church thought, "Boy, that looks a lot of fun." <laughs> I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Those guys over there are having a whole lot more fun is that, than the is ones that, hanging on to the iron rod. Is that rod? the Patriots game in there? <laughs> They've got little Smokies. <laughs> I've got animal crackers. <laughs> yeah, but they were climbing toward the tree of life. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I'm way behind on this discussion. Oh, well, we're uh, sorry. Half our audience just said, what the hell? And and honestly, you know, as much as I say Sunday fun day is very fun, you know what I spend my Sunday doing? Cleaning out my old junker car. So oh, I thought we were going to give that away. Uh, no. Jake, no. Jake might find a little faith if he had to work like that every Sunday, right? It was a little cold, too. <laughs> It'd be better Jake, to be sitting Jake, on a pew somewhere than out there cleaning. Jake went to too. bed Saturday praying. If if I wake up tomorrow and this is already cleaned out, I'll never miss church again. Yeah, right. I probably would have made that. I would have made that bargain. Yeah, it was not. That reminds me of a friend of mine, Steve Springer, wrote a book with Scott Osler about the Lakers and uh, the the history of the Lakers and the funny stories from the back in the day. And do you remember that story about how the Laker team plane crashed in a field? Uh, I think it was in, where was it? Hot Rod was on the plane. In Iowa, was he? And, uh, but uh, they were, they were. In in stormy weather, and uh, they landed the plane in this field, but before they got down, a, a bunch of the Laker players huddled up and were praying that they would be okay, you know. And I think it was Elgin Baylor. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, was praying that they used to have gambling poker games on the plane all the time, and he's he's praying to the. Big man upstairs saying, I'll never gamble again. I'll never gamble again if you get us down in in in, uh, in, in good shape. And uh, the plane lands in the field, and they, they all jump out of the plane, and they walk over to a house where people were allowing them to stay, a farmhouse or whatever. And he pulled out his deck of cards and said, okay, game's on. So it didn't take long for him to uh, rearrange his thinking. Hmm. Surprised they didn't sing a rendition of La Bamba. Oh, Jake. That's really... Or a Buddy Holly song, maybe? No, come on. Peggy Sue? <laughs> no? No. That's not what happened? No, e- even I am not going to go there, Jake. Want to remind you about our friends at Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valley parking, open valley parking, way to the and airport. 24-7 <laughs> car curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking. 
since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, oh, ride, and man. save. Diamond Airport parking. That was a really fortuitous position for that read. <laughs> the plane might crash, but your car won't. Your car is going to be just fine. Well, I think statistically you're a lot safer in the air than you are on the highways and byways. Aren't Thanks to your... <laughs> we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Oh, you know what? I've got to tease this. You have got to tune in for today's Not Sports Report. It's not going to be your normal death dedication. It's it's actually going to be some pretty amazing audio, and we've got to compare it to some other pretty amazing audio. Indeed. Like like Pan Man has a rival, and we're going to get to that. So you don't want to miss it. Not Sports Report. For once. Stay tuned. It'll be really good. We promise. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Seven five and twelve eighty the zone on a total request Tuesday. This one goes out to Landon Horton, the very talented Landon Horton. Might I add? Would, he he, work, yeah. would huh? he be related to anybody we know? You think? Is he? Uh, can we throw him a tease? Is he in anything uh, coming up soon? Uh, he's not currently. No, no. Uh, I am. Of course, he's you not. Are. Why don't you go ahead and pro- give a, a little bit of attention to that? The thing I'm going to yeah. be in. Just steal from my brother real quick and take his spotlight. Sure. Uh, coming up in February, there's a theater up in Kaysville called the Hope Box Theater where uh, all the proceeds go towards a cancer patient and their family. Oh, great. And I'll be in the uh, run from the 1st of February through the whole month of February of Guys and Dolls. At what part are you playing? I am playing Nate in Detroit, okay. played by Frank Sinatra in the movie. How about that? So make sure and catch, uh, catch our boy Austin. Do we need to start calling Austin Detroit? Uh, sure. No. <laughs> Doesn't sound like Austin's real. I mean, yes. Go ahead. I'd love it. <laughs> he knows we won't do it if he likes it. Anyway, I've seen Landon perform though. He's very talented. That Horton family. They know what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. They they certainly do. Uh, Gordon, you have a column up. Sltrib.com. Talking about uh, Utah, their offense, and uh, Andy Ludwig. Uh, get into, uh, sink your teeth into a little bit what you're expressing with the column, and he, we'll talk about it. Yeah, his addition has been really, really good for the Utes. And obviously, that's easy to say now that we can all see it. I, I wrote a column predicting that this would happen back in January, and it's happened. He has stepped in. Uh, Andy Ludwig is a guy who. Unlike some of the other offensive coordinators that have been uh, with the Utes, uh, doesn't need to uh, impress Kyle Whittingham, doesn't need to worry about what he's thinking. Uh, he doesn't have to prove to everybody how smart he is or how imaginative he is or creative. Uh, he's been coaching for 32 years, and that ship sailed. Now he can just he can just. Uh, work his offense into the attack he wants it to be. And that's exactly what he's done. And I th- he's done a stellar job. And Morgan Scally, I think, is getting some attention for his uh, defensive coordinator work this year. But I think Andy deserves it as well. I mean, he is really, really good and really good for this particular 
program. Now, Kyle Whittingham uh, always points to the talent that's in the program uh, to give credit to that as opposed to any coaching wizardry. But it needs to be organized and it needs to be utilized in a way that is uh, to the team's and program's advantage. And I'd say Andy Ludwig has done that. You know, he came into Utah, you say, okay, he had Zach Moss. Well, he came into Utah having had 15 1,000-plus-yard rushers under his uh, guidance, including Melvin Gordon, who had like 2,500 yards at Wisconsin during his junior year. And so he comes in, he recognizes, hey, this Zach Moss kid's pretty good. I think I'm going to feed him. I'm going to give him the ball. He looks at Tyler Huntley and says, I can fashion uh, this guy into, I can help him. Now, obviously, the players themselves deserve a lot of credit for improving themselves, but Andy Ludwig's influence has been notable. Witt said at his press conference uh, this week, Gordon, that he saw this year coming two years ago. Yeah. And and I, I believe that. I think that's why he picked Tyler Huntley as a starter two years ago. Uh, and and we've had that conversation. So knowing the the potential of this particular U team, Kyle Whittingham, I I know that. See, I know that you took some heat, and actually, I should say we, but but more you because you wrote about it with a with a column. Took some heat saying that maybe Troy Taylor wasn't you know fired per se, but also wasn't really encouraged that he's the guy. Mm-hmm. How about that? I, I know you took some heat for that, but I think Kyle Whittingham knew he needed to have a coach in place that wasn't going to screw it up, yep. plain, plain and simple. He needed a coach in place where he wasn't going to have to worry about his offense getting in the way of what could be a, a historic season for his program. And to Andy's credit, he's turned out to be far more than that. I mean, he's, he's turned out to be a great coach, a great fit for this particular roster, and it couldn't have turned out better. But I think it was smart on behalf of, of Coach Witt to say, you know what, maybe Troy Taylor, maybe I can do better than Troy Taylor, and I, I have a special year here, so i got to get somebody that I know and that I'm confident in and trust, which is a big part a point in your column. He trusts Andy Ludwig, and I know he got a bad rap for running through all these offensive coordinators, but he had to make this last switch. And he he, had, he yeah. had to do it, and it's just working out terrifically for him, and it turns out to be uh, an incredibly smart move. And, gee, the last time Andy Ludwig was the offensive coordinator at Utah – the Utes went 13-0. and I think Kyle knew that he, uh, he was a great choice for that position, and he found a way to get it done. They're paying him good money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, they had to pay him enough to get him out of Andy. It's an SEC program. They're swimming in money down there. I know they're not terrific, but they they probably had to, to put their money where their mouth was. And, and it's working out terrifically well for all the reasons that you point out. And I'll say this, Kyle Whittingham's a terrific head coach. He's not an easy man to work for. For that a time or two. And especially if you're an offensive coach, in my opinion. And But he, he doesn't have to worry. Andy doesn't worry about that because he knows Kyle. He knows exactly what he's thinking. And he agrees with him. Yeah. And he you look at Tyler Huntley, you look at Zach Moss, and you say, okay, I think I'll utilize these two in a way that emphasizes what they're good at and improves upon it. And that's what's happened here. This is a special year for Utah football. It really is. I mean, that defense, number one in the nation against the run, number three in uh, total defense, and the offense no longer is the ugly stepsister. Nope. 
Was the stepsister always ugly? Uh, sure. How did where'd that come from? I have no idea. Is that Cinderella? But the offense is also very complementary to what they do on defense. Right. They run the ball. They their time of possession is huge. Uh, unbelievable. And some people think that's an overrated stat, but with this particular team, it's a, it's a really good stat. It's very complimentary. because the defense yeah. is turned is giving the ball back to them. And so what do they do? They they like uh, they're one of the best teams in the country at long TD drives. That's what they do. And they're and really they eat good. up all that time while they're doing it. And they're really good in the red zone. They and win. then the defense is over there getting its legs. And they're also really good on third down. That's a huge stat, too. Yeah. yeah. All right, coming up next, a not sports report you absolutely do not <laughs> want to miss. Trust me, we have some sound that is, is I feel like, going to go down as one of those legendary sound clips, just like Pan Man, very similar to Pan Man. Jake is finally a convert to the Nut Sports Report. I'm so proud. Well, when I program it, yeah. Funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. People hate the discussion of eyeball test. Ohio State and Utah. Ohio State in the undefeated teams category. Utah in the one-loss teams category. I think you have to watch them to truly appreciate why they're the best of that group. Ohio State's my number one vote. On the other side with Utah, one-loss team. If you don't watch Utah, you don't appreciate just how good they are. And that's actually one of my fears about the chances of Utah getting into the playoff. The TV situation with the Pac-12 does these teams no favors. That's why I say Utah has to win these games 72-0 to so that people actually start saying, well, maybe I need to be watching that team yeah. closer. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This one goes out to Devin on a total request Tuesday. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thank you very much for making us part of your day. It's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you each and every day by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Of course, Gordon, we've played it many times over the years. Pan Man is one of our favorite pieces of audio that, yeah. uh, that we play. About an old guy who was cooking breakfast <laughs> or cooking yeah, in his skillet. Two skillet. And, uh, and an intruder came in and he roughed that intruder I up. I come around just like that, just like baseball players do. Number two frying skillet right across the face. And it was red hot. <laughs> and then they got the pitchfork out. Went to work on him. <laughs> so, Pan Man, one of our favorites, right? Uh, we have now. I, I want to call her Mrs. Pan Man, but <laughs> okay. I mean, a, a similar story. Uh, we introduced to you 82-year-old Willie Murphy, mm. and uh, somebody at night knocked on her door, and that's kind of where we pick up her story. Now, her whole interview here was really long, so we had to edit it down for time. We've got it down to just a couple of minutes, but of what we feel- She's is really the, shy, Jake. She, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, she's <laughs> anything but, but uh, we give you Willie Murphy. Boom! I heard that. I said, what the heck? I used the four-letter words, and guess what? I wasn't nice when I was talking like that. And he's in the house. He, he rips uh, uh, the chain from the door and 
I got the, um, the television table has metal legs and I'm hitting them like that. I said, get out, but I'm using four letter words. I'm serious and I'm screaming. The table breaks in two because I'm wheeling his behind and he falls back into the cocktail table and the table breaks. I have um, a shampoo that I bought from the dollar store. It was like this, right? And I run while he's down. I put it all in his face and in his eyes. You would not believe the words that are really nasty words, not nice words, because I'm wailing his behind. Okay, so guess what? He's trying to get up. The broom that I clean the snow off the car is right there. I take that broom and guess what? I'm jugging him, jugging him like that with all my force. And guess what? Because the door is already open, the cops finally arrived. So the cop says to me, he said, uh, how old are you? So I said, well, I'm 82. He said, what? He said, show me your ID. So I had to go give him a picture ID to show him my age, 82. So he calls in another officer in my house. So now it's the two people. The two guys are here, put me in the middle. They're taking selfies of me. And that was the end of the night. There you go. <laughs> Selfie. I like the the broom part. Now it's jugging him, jugging him, jugging him. Whatever that is. That's a feisty eighty-two-year-old woman there. Beat this intruder with a table. Just for comparative I'm sake. Jugging him like that. With like all that. My force. Give me a little more, <laughs> Pan Man. I, I want to. I want to make the comparison here between these two. I come around just like that. Just like. Baseball players do. An 81-year-old Bobby Smith of Springfield says that was enough to stun an armed robber, who he says was bold enough to hop a concrete fence and rummage through the kitchen. So he confronted the man with a pan full of potatoes, his supper for the night. And hit him upside the face. And the potatoes went all over him. Smith is disabled from a stroke and has a 65-year-old caregiver, Levina Stones. But he's still strong, strong enough, he says, to fight back. In fact, he wasn't done with the robber after hitting him. He sank to his knees because I hit him, number two frying skillet, and it was red hot. Then I raced back about six feet away and got this pitchfork. Then I went to work on him. Days later, Sone, who prefers to be called Tootie, still doesn't know what to think. It happened so fast. Just, I didn't have time to be scared of the really. Just, it's happening. Smith says he always liked this skillet. He bought it a few decades ago for just 31 cents. Now he's even come up with a nickname for it. Charlie. Me and this skillet will go out of this world together. There's a good reason Smith fought back. He says intruders are not welcome at his home. I am very disgusted and very upset and very damn mad because I don't think we deserve it. And ask this determined man if he was scared, he'll look you right in the eye and say, no way. Nobody will ever see me cry and nobody's going to scare me. Nobody. So we got 81-year-old Pan Man. I'm we got 82 year old. like that. Willie. Juking him with a broomstick. 
and beating him with the table. And by the, the way, the table uh, breaks into. How do you beat someone with a table? Uh, I don't know, but well, we left out that she is a body lifter. She is a weightlifter. She's like a she's a, an award-winning, medal-owning oh, really? body lifter. Uh-huh. Holy cow! And she also squeezed baby shampoo into his face <laughs> oh, for some reason. <laughs> I don't think it was baby shampoo. That's what she said. <laughs> she, she, yeah, she, I think she just said dollar store shampoo. Uh, I thought that I thought the baby shampoo was supposed to be no tears. You're right. I know. She's she's pouring the soap right in the eyes. <laughs> Jigger him. Jigger him. I wonder what the guy was thinking. I don't know. What uh, picked on the wrong eighty two year old woman? Broke into the wrong house, yeah, that's for sure. Just like Pan Man's intruder. And by the way, elderly folks, uh working over intruders. Best stories ever. <laughs> Although I, I'm a little worried about that, I you know for their safety, I don't want I don't want them picking a fight. You they don't can't think finish. that Willie can't take care of herself? <laughs> sure, sounds like she can. Do it just fine. <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess with her. Would you? Nope. All right, Mike Conley joins the show. Coming up next, uh, Craig Bowler, Jack as well. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 the zone.